Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hey, everybody. Dave Hodges here, host of The Common Sense Show. We are the show that is freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. And we have our Latin American expert on, uh, Pastor Sam Arnold. And he's a refugee from America for reasons he's described before. And uh, he knows all things Latin America. It's incredible the depth of knowledge he has on the politics there. And there are some things going on there that we need to know about to affect us directly. And this may affect Sam. And I'm going to throw this out, and then I'm going to do our commercials, and we'll come right back to him. But uh, Zero Hedge is now reporting, as of a few minutes ago, that the date of September 20th has been listed for Chinese bankruptcy. And uh, listen, I knew it was coming. This is why they got the tanks guarded the banks. But anyway, I'm going to let that sit with Sam because it might have an influence on what he tells us. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that the food noose is tightening around our neck. More food processing plants have gone down. Uh, I think we're at 108 now, if I'm not mistaken, that have gone under since uh, uh, Biden came into power. What a coincidence that is. So you better get your food. I'm serious. You have the truck, the train strike that's looming for September 16th, and the federal mediators are doing almost nothing. So they want you to come to them. Uh uh-uh, uh, you don't want to be in that boat, folks, because then they can get anything out of you that they want. You need your own storable food, and you need to get as much as you can carry. We used to say six months, and then it was two years, and now it's get as much as you can, as long as you can. Uh, My Patriot Supply has not raised prices. They still have a special. They still have the 25-year shelf life, 2,000 calories per day, tastes just fine. You can survive on this, folks, quite easily. They have lots of diversification in the food. Go to foodwithdave.com. That's foodwithdave.com. And then if you have food, you better have water. Uh, the grid blackout model coming out of California, Energy Secretary Grantham said, that's going to be the model for the country. Uh, what? Yeah, and if it goes on long enough, where will you get your water? Well, you'll have to scavenge. You'll have water sources, but you'll have to clean it. And that means you need a good water filtration system, and that's what the Alexa Pure Pro water filter is. It is the best in the business. The research is at waterwithdave.com, and they, too, have held the price line, and they, too, have a special. You need to check it out, waterwithdave.com. And then, finally... Last but not least, uh, I admire Mike Lindell greatly. He's a champion for election integrity. He's a great businessman, has great products. We had all his products before they contacted me. And they contacted me and said, Dave, would you like your audience to have a benefit of half price, two for one, of Mike Lindell's products? I said, oh, yeah. And he's got a whole bunch of new stuff, too, new coffee. It's just, it's fantastic. He's got the bed sheets. Everything is there. It's two for one. Half off. You can't do any better. Go to store.com, coupon code Hodges. That's store.com, coupon code Hodges. Well, Sam, you heard my announcement quoting Zero Hedge, and I believe it because of the tanks guarding the banks. Does this impending Chinese bankruptcy coming up in, uh, what, about 11 days, does that have any effect on what you're going to tell us? Very much, and I I really want to go around the world. We have a lot more to cover on our tactical breakdown of the assassination attempt against Argentine Vice President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner. Okay. But now it the world is moving so quickly. Uh, Queen Elizabeth died today, just yes. hours ago. We're recording this, and I would like to 
state a lot of things that we can learn from unlikely presidents and unlikely champions of freedom in Latin America because right now there are new people coming into the government that I really did not want to see there. And I'll tell you what, Liz Truss, who was appointed prime minister two days before the, the queen's death, this was her final act as queen, really, to appoint the 14th prime minister of her reign. And she appointed Liz Truss. This is somebody that really not liked her position, no. being aggressive in the Ukraine war. But we're going to revisit that. And I would like to say that Liz Truss stated that she would declare China an enemy of the United Kingdom. So that's a massive statement, and it's very significant realignment for the United Kingdom. And so we really see now the, the, the whole world, the alliances are changing, the leaders are changing, and everybody really needs to look alive right now. No, I couldn't agree with you more. Um with regard to uh, Tuss, the, I think you'll trust you'll find this interesting. She appointed her cabinet. On a humorous side, her health secretary weighs 450 pounds. Okay, that's for giggles. Not to really demean anybody, but I just find it ironic. But here's the thing that really should concern people. She's bragging, I have the most diverse cabinet in British history. Yeah, and there's one person, kind of person that's not on there. White males. There's no white males in her administration. Well, one of three very powerful things that she did is she appointed a white male to a very high position in Northern Ireland, and this man is a strong supporter of Brexit. And I don't have my, my, my staff must have forgotten to come in and print off all the news articles today, so I just have to work out on the uh, random access memory. But she appointed a very strong Brexit proponent, and so that is one of three things that Liz Truss did on her first day as act, you know, in Parliament as Prime Minister that that really surprised me, shocked me, and and gave me hope that perhaps uh, perhaps this is a situation that that God can work in, and really. Anyone who's really followed me knows that uh, I dabble also in cryptozoology, that I'm a jungle missionary, that I'm out on the cutting edge, where things go bump in the night, the jungle and the chupacabras and all of that. That's that's where I live, amongst the cartels, the chupacabras, and uh, once in a while, an, an occasional beautiful Amazon archer. And so I would really like, the, the tweets are coming out, I would really like to talk about Elizabeth as the dragoness, because this is a prevalent belief in the world that she is a shapeshifter, that she has uh, oh, 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 some or all are you going non-human blood, <laughs> and as a Bible teacher, well, 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 like time out, time out for a second. I, I, I want to make sure I'm hearing this right. Are you going David Ike on me? You're saying Liz Truss is a shapeshifter. Uh, Dave, I wrote the book on the dragons of the Bible. Okay. It's one of the occurrences of the word dragon in the Hebrew Bible. Those teachings are on my YouTube. Just go to Gospel Gunslingers and search for the Dragon Lancer series. And for some listeners, that may be off the reservation. And for other listeners, they have, have heard what the others say and would really like to know what the Bible says. Or the two specific times where the, the Bible refers to a natural king as a dragon, as a mythical reptile creature. So... Uh, that's something that we can we can dip our toe into if you're interested later. Right now, no, I, no, no. Let, let's 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 look at it right now, even if it's brief. Okay, you mentioned the Bible. I'm assuming you're going back to Genesis six, correct? Uh, that's something else that I've studied. And when we talk about Amazon archers and people with angel blood, uh, that's in Genesis six. Okay. The you know, the ectype. Of it. Okay, give well, me give me the Bible reference for your view of trust. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, of trust or of Elizabeth? Of trust, I would just like to go to Proverbs, the twenty first chapter, and this is something that I've learned from Latin America: is that when people reach the highest office in their land. 
they have to do a lot of uh, hand-kissing, vote-garnering. They have to play a lot of games and a lot of parties to get there. And then once they take the highest office in their land, two huge things change. One, they're beholden to no one. They do not have to play any games to go higher. Second, this proverb activates. God can really get a hold of them. Let me just read it to you here. I'll flip to it quickly. Proverbs 15, 16, and this is 21. First verse. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it with whithersoever he will. So, when a person is actually the leader of their nation, all of a sudden, God has a right and a prerogative and determines to intervene in the affairs of men by changing that person's heart. And uh, I have a lot of things against Charles. Uh, or someone who's a British subject, they may feel compelled to, to bow the knee. Uh, for myself, as a minister, Isaiah says that the kings of the earth will come and lick the dust of our feet. And so I'm kind of waiting to see if he bows the knee, which the dragoness actually did. You know, she and her nation, both the nation and herself and her reign, and especially in the recent years, have incited global rebellion against the one world reign of papacy. England is the first Protestant nation. There are, and I know I'm speaking to a lot of Americans here, I'd ask that you bear with me as we consider some important doctrines about England in the Bible, about the belief which is not prevalent, but it is out there and it's published and there are a number of people that believe it. And uh, I swing towards believing it, that this is the throne of David. All of the uh, monarchs of, of the United Kingdom are sworn in above the stone that is believed to be Jacob's pillow. It's called the Stone of Schoon. And I mean, this goes back 1,200 years. Mm -hmm. They believe that this is the stone that, that Jacob used as a pillow in the book of Genesis that he lay his head on and saw the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And so there are a lot of reasons to believe that the ordination of God is on this monarchy and that this dynasty, this throne of the United Kingdom is of special importance. I did a video a few years ago. It's on my channel. Just search Good Preaching Playlist. And it's called The United States and Britain in Bible Prophecy. And I'm not going to retread all of that. I, I, I don't think I could right now. But there are numerous reasons to believe that Britain and the United States are not only in the Bible, but mentioned prolifically and Britain has a special status as the first Protestant nation. And then the United States followed their lead in declaring our own independence. And then all of Latin America followed that lead. So that's what I believe the Bible would say about Charles and Liz Truss, is that even though I have uh, had issues with these people, now that they are at the helm, the door is open for God to really move their hearts. And so we can hope for that to happen. The lesson from Latin America is that a lot of times people take power and they change completely. I'd like to return to Boris Johnson because he changed while he was in power. But let me go to the Latin American presidents first. The president of Ecuador, uh, up till uh, a year and a half ago, was Lenin Moreno. Lenin Voltaire. His parents named him Lenin. He was born to communist activists. He was trained to be a communist from the cradle when he was given the, the name of the greatest communist murderer and the name of the greatest uh, uh, rebel against the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. uh, atheist in Voltaire. But what, what happened when he took power? He was hand-discipled by Rafael Correa, 
to be the next communist president. And then he took power, boom, turned towards Trump, turned towards lowering taxes, turned towards producing business, and completely went against his roots and the history of his entire life, both his grammar school training and his political life. And he's not the only one that did that. There are other examples. Nayib Bukele, the, the president of El Salvador, I was very unexcited about because he came out of a communist background. And he took over, and what did he do? He uh, invited Dante Gabel, the most famous Latin American uh, Holy Ghost evangelist in the world, to preach at his inauguration. And they repented for the whole nation and said, El Salvador has not followed the Lord God Almighty, and the curses have come upon us, and we repent as a nation, and we want to follow God. And then a year later, he basically came out as a Christian on the national or world day of prayer. And so that was somebody that absolutely shocked me. In fact, it was We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts that help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here. And we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. We already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water. With Dave.com, that's waterwithdave.com. Save $80 for a short time. Admiral Craig Baller, who was excited about him taking power, and I thought, what are you smoking? What are you thinking? But he knew some things that I didn't know. The Admiral was right, and my consensus was wrong. But I learned something through this, Dave, that when people take the highest office in their land, that's when you see who they really are and what they really believe. They stop playing games. And a lot of them try to make their nation great. And the greatest example, President Andres Manuel AMLO of Mexico. He comes from the left. I I was very unexcited about him taking power. But the moment that he took power, you know, he said, uh, someone asked him, how are you going to handle the violence in Mexico? When he was on the campaign trail, Andres Manuel said, "I I will ask for help from the ONU, from the United Nations. And from Papa Francisco, Pope Francis, and I was just, oh, it hurt when I slapped my forehead, Dave. But what did he do as president? Neither of those things. He has reduced the influence of globalism, of China, of the New World Order, of World Banks in Mexico. And he uh, sent a message to Pope Francis to to apologize for the conquest 
of New Spain, of the Americas. And so he has done so much, and just it's been a continual battle, getting the Chinese out, getting the political power of the papacy out, uh, getting the thieves out of the government, and returning the power to the people, and that's why Mexico is on the upswing. So there's three great examples of people that I really was biting my nails when they took power, okay. and they took power along, just wondrous. Along those lines of, Sam, i got to ask you about something that uh, Amlo said. He said he favored the creation of an American state. In other words, the the resurrection of the 2006 version of Canada, Mexico, and the United States. And I think he even wanted to go beyond that. Can you talk about that? I really think he's only stepping into the power vacuum as the United States is declining in influence and in interest and indefinitely in efficacy of helping the other smaller nations. The United States is being a poor big brother. Under Trumponomics, the U.S. was a very good big brother to Honduras. Now Honduras has gone completely communist, arrested the ex-president, deported him to the United States to face trumped-up drug charges. And so the Biden administration has just fed the left there. They've fed the drug gangs. They've fed the human trafficking uh, gangs there. And by the way, Honduras is one of the few continental nations that's still a Taiwan ally. And right in between the meetings of Pelosi and the other Congress people, who shows up? The representative from Honduras. And so that is a nation that really needs a big brother. And Andres Manuel is willing to do that and be that and has reached out to that nation, even with the leftist administration. And so this is where AMLO, as president of CELAC, as as the leader of far and away the, the, the largest and strongest Hispano-American nation, can really reach down to those other nations and help them up, and even talk sensibly to leftist leaders like uh, Castro Zelaya, the lady president of Honduras, or Alberto Fernandez, the president of Argentina. Okay, I think uh, I think your point's well taken. They say one thing, do another, till they get into office, and then you see the true self. And unlike America, where their deception is designed to bring America down so they can benefit, the you're saying a lot of the Latin American leaders uh, engage in some slight deception until they're in power, and then they want to make their country great. It has happened that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they, a, a, a proven communist gets in power, and let's just talk about Christina Fernandez de Kirchner. Ah, she was a communist. She sold her nation to China. She invited the Chinese in. They built a huge space base there. They steal all the fish they want. They're above the law. And when she got into power, which she's really a lot of Argentines think that she's the real power in in the nation as vice president. It's just that she was so embattled uh, during the end of the last administration that if, if she had come forward as the presidential candidate and then been incarcerated, their movement could have lost everything. So they put her on the ticket as vice presidential candidate with you know another uh, fill-in president. And so it's it's commonly thought that she's the real power behind the throne. I mean, imagine if Michelle Obama became the lady president. It's kind of like that. If uh, or or if she was president and and then uh, Barack Obama was the first gentleman in the United States. Uh, of course, being twice ex-president, it would be suspected that the real power in the equation was his, and uh, President Fernandez and Vice President Christina Fernandez are not related and not married, but that just gives some idea of why, as twice ex-president, first lady before that, it's thought that she's the real power behind the throne. So she got in power, and they did everything that we feared that they would do, uh, clamp down on freedom of religion. The farmers quickly sold their uh, wheat harvests 
on the Chicago Forex market as futures so that they would not be subject to the 30% tax when the new leftist administration took power. In the, the last days of the Macri lame duck presidency, they sold their grain as futures and then they avoided that tax. And so that's a huge tax that they, the new leftist government charged. So a lot of times the leftists are leftists and they take power and the, the country goes left and they sell it out to China. You know, another really good example is Antonio Gutierrez, the head of the uh, United Nations, the general secretary, who is not Mexican, by the way. He's Portuguese. And what did he do as a Portuguese politician? Turned over Macau, the, the, the age-old, centuries-old Portuguese colony on the coast of China to the Chinese, just handed it over to him on a silver platter. And so a guy like that, then he's in the U.N. at the very top office, and we can suppose what he's going to do, and he's got a long history of making his bones. But it can go the other way. I've seen it go the other way a lot of times. And i got to tell you that I'm really hoping for Liz Truss right now. I'm really hoping that God will move in her and that she will go the right direction and do the right things. The comparisons to Margaret Thatcher have been many and open. Okay. I, I, I see where you're going with this. The forces are aligning. There's some good news there. Um, talk about how this, we're, we're going to deal with some concerns I have about Latin America in a minute, but let's talk first about how is this good news relevant to an American listening audience? What should they take from this? Our our partner across the card table, any card player knows that you don't get very far without your partner. doesn't matter how many aces you've got. Everybody's wondering how many their buddies got. And that partner has always been the United Kingdom. And if you understand biblically the affinity between Ephraim and Manasseh, uh, then it unravels the mystery a little bit. It, it makes the pieces come together of why there has been a special relationship. I'd just like to take a moment to handle and aside some very good people in the conservative media were heavily affected by Carol Quigley's writings about the Anglo-American establishment and tragedy and hope. And Carol Quigley it was a Jesuit professor, a professor at a Jesuit university at Georgetown. And he always, in his writings, has concealed the hand of the papacy and the Catholic Church and put the fault on whom the Catholic Church hates, the, the Kingdom of Great Britain, the first Protestant nation. There has been a 500-year program to destroy Protestantism in the United Kingdom. One of my friends and a dear mentor of mine, Clay Sonmore, told me, Sam, the most pivotal event in the history of the world since the resurrection of Jesus Christ is this, the sinking of the Invincible Armada in 1588. And I was really shocked. I thought, well, that's an obscure historical event. But the whole plan was to forcibly crush Protestantism in that first Protestant nation in the first century of England as a Protestant nation, when they were still having bloody civil wars. This is why you have Bloody Mary, and the nation went back and forth from Catholic to Protestant to Catholic to Protestant. And by the way, you know what else began in England with Elizabeth I? The armed populace. The first sovereign in the world to come out and uh, state that she had confidence and an armed populace was Elizabeth I. And she stated that she believed that the English people would wisely use their firearms to protect their sovereign. I, I agree. And, I agree. I agree with all that. And I know about the Spanish Armada that actually diminished Spain's world power. And it did not diminish the implantations they made with language and culture. But the British and the French became the dominant powers. But going forward to today with the events you described, I'd really like a direct answer on how these events 
will impact America. If you look at the other nations of the world that have aircraft carriers, number one on the list is Great Britain. They have the two newest and perhaps the most advanced aircraft carriers in the world. Now, by tonnage, they're not as big as ours, and they don't have catapults on them, but they are extremely advanced, and in fact, the uh, Queen Elizabeth aircraft carrier is steaming from England across the Atlantic to the USA to do joint F-35 flight operations with the United States. And so when it comes down to it, this is the ally that we've always relied on, and they've always relied on us. I've so enjoyed the Churchill movies that have come out in the last few years, and, and uh, listening to the, the uh, calls between Churchill and Franklin Roosevelt and, and him begging, if we, could, if we could only borrow 50 of your older destroyers, 40, 40, said Churchill, that would make such a difference. And lo and behold, the alliance came together, our old friendship came together, okay. and this is why it's so important to point out that Carol Quigley was working for the other side to build enmity between the United States and Britain and our special relationship is ordained of God and needs to continue. We have to have that ally, and they have to have the, U- the USA as an ally. Okay, so then uh, I hear what you're saying on that, and I agree with you, although Britain is a lost nation now. But with regard to the Latin American influence, how does that come into play with that relationship between Britain and the U.S.? Uh, Britain has holdings. In the New World, Belize is still a Commonwealth nation. Jamaica is still a Commonwealth nation. And uh, don't forget that Canada, Canada is a Commonwealth nation. And one of the things that I had always hoped and that you and I have discussed on the air is the possibility that the Queen would intervene with a, a rogue prime minister like Justin Trudeau, who was working against the entrance of the interests of his own nation and of the Commonwealth as a whole. And I'm I'm sad to see the Queen go before that was accomplished. But I really believe that the Queen hung on to make this one final appointment. Even though I didn't think it was the best appointment, I really think that as, as we enter into global geopolitics, that it's going to be very, very important. And you know what Liz Truss did right off this pertains to their other holdings, offshore holdings in the New World. It, Liz Trust first day in, said, drill, baby, drill. Canceled old laws restricting fracking. The, the petroleum production of the United Kingdom will immediately from this day begin to rebuild, and they'll have some degree of energy independence, which, of course, means wartime mobility. Yeah, and so, okay. I, I get it. That's a, a military alliance because of natural resources, I agree. Here's the raining on the parade. Russia came out recently. Putin said sanctions. <laughs> you guys are a joke. He said the dollar is not worth much. It's on the decline. It's good. We're going to end the dollar. The Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for MyPillow. For example, they've got half off MyPillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. And if you look at it, the rest of the world's coming to us because they want gold-backed currency, and that's what they want to deal with. They don't want to deal with America's coming digital currency. So, and he didn't say it that bluntly, but that's the takeaway from what he from what he meant. So, I'm wondering how does Latin America resolve that dilemma, that discrepancy between not wanting to be digital and supporting England and the U.S., which are clearly going to go digital. England has the pound sterling, and they held on to that all the way through the Brexit, all the way through, and many Bible scholars, as Europe has developed, especially in the past 30 years, but 
going back to the original Coal and Steel Treaty in 1954, see the new revived Roman Empire of the European Union as being the beast of Revelation, the beast with seven heads and ten horns that is the revived Roman Empire. And in Latin America and really the whole world, there are two factions within BRICS. There is a nationalist faction where each nation would like to keep their own currency and have their cooperation based on a basket of currencies and each of their individual productions that each nation brings to the table. For example, silver in Mexico, uh, copper in Chile, etc., as, as other nations begin to come into that. And then, of course, there's a Chinese side that wants to make it hegemonic. And so those, it, it is divided. There are feet of clay within the bricks. And I would just like to, even though the pound sterling is today its lowest point against the dollar since 1985, the pound sterling is not dead yet. And maybe, just maybe, it will outlive the dollar because the uh, supposed strength of the dollar right now is artificial. It's only because of foreign dollars coming home to roost. Agreed. It's because other uh, people from other countries and other nations know that their dollars will be worthless, and so they want to transfer them into some kind of commodities. And I'll tell you how bad it is just in 30 seconds. It is so bad that even the insurance companies in the United States, which in my many years as a contractor, I've specialized in insurance claims. And to see the claims that are being paid and how outlandishly lucrative they are, even the insurance claim, insurance companies within the United States are dumping their dollars to buy nails, shingles, pieces of wood, pieces of siding, and rebuild properties that actually have value because the dollar very soon will not. And everybody knows it but John Q. Public. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It is something not known. Well, let's go back to our lead story of the day. We know about the Chinese attempt in their efforts in trying to colonize economically through gang warfare and perhaps even to some degree militarily that China's trying to conquer Latin America. Now we know the Chinese are headed for bankruptcy. How do you see that influencing that region with the Chinese influence? The first thing they want to do is bring in their workers. And this is one of the things that Andres Manuel was not okay with as the president of Mexico. Now, if you go to Peru, some of the mines that are closing, naturalnews.com just put out an incredible article within the last day about how many mines and smelting operations and foundries are closing throughout the world and why. And a lot of it has to do with higher utility prices, but a lot of it, for example, in Peru, has to do with indigenous protests, roads being blocked, and this is the Chinese influence. So, first of all, they built these mines, they built these factories in the Americas. They have a lot of Chinese workers at those factories, but then they're also able to wag the dog and collapse the individual governments by uh, putting economic pressure. And so there is economic pressure from China. And I mean, it's like a, a final domino thing. This is, the, this is the final thrust in many respects of the pressure that they're putting on these nations by uh, economic warfare and infiltration warfare. Because China knows that she needs the beachheads and the resources of the Americas, especially South America, in order to conquer the world. Okay, how, how will the bankruptcy, do you think, uh, affect China's ability to, say, solidify their takeover of Ecuador's resources, Chile? What, what do you think is going to happen there? In bankruptcy, that's when commodities become everything. My mom has goats, and she goes out and milks the goat every morning and gets what? Uh, half a gallon of milk, which is worth $2, which somebody flipping burgers can make in half the time that it took for her to go and milk the goat. So the commodity, even today, you see, is worth so little. 
when my grandfather drove his tractor, my grandpa Sam drove his tractor to Washington, D.C., that's where he was, crossing Indiana when the men set foot on the moon in 1969. They said, we want, we don't want charity, we want parity. We want a fair price for our commodities that we produce. But it had already gone away. So here we are 50, 60 years later, and still agricultural commodities are very, very depressed. But then in the advent of war, those commodities become immediately very, very valuable. They're treasures. I loved it in uh, Brad Pitt's tanker movie, Fury, where he pulls out a little treasure box, a little metal box, and everybody's waiting to see what's in it. You know, what, what could it be? A, a music box? A, a gold? He opens it up, and there's, a, there's a, a, a napkin in there, and he opens the napkin, and what's in there is six fresh eggs, one egg for every person present. And everyone's eyes were just as big as silver dollars, because in the war... There were no eggs. There's no chocolate bars. So the minute that the the, Jap, the the Chinese economy folds, first of all, they have to go to war. Second, that's when all the commodities are worth their weight in gold. This is why they've been storing fuel, storing grain, buying pork, buying food from all over the world, advancing their fishing fleet to go out in all the world, and they have been putting their tentacles into resource-rich nations, especially in South America, also Africa, and that's what their their claws are going to dig into that, into the mines, into the agriculture. Boy, it's going to be a shock to them when Jair Bolsonaro in the war, in the war cuts off their soybeans because they really want those Brazilian soybeans, and they're not going to get them as soon as they get belligerent. Okay, so it's kind of like Japan before World War II. They need the resources. They had a failing economy. They weren't able to industrialize successfully. So they lashed out at their neighbors to take what they needed. And when they thought the U.S. was interfering, which the U.S. was starting to, then they bombed Pearl Harbor. So can we expect uh, Diego Garcia and Guam to be bombed? There's a real intent to to hit those bases, and the capability is now there. They've they're far enough away that it's been a, a problem for the Chinese, but with the advent of their ballistic missile technology, they have the ability now to strike those with conventional or nuclear strikes. And some of those are very, very small islands that could be badly damaged with conventional strikes, which is part of the reason that the U.S. military is uh, remilitarizing islands around Guam, where... There were bomber bases, B-29 bases, and other things in uh, World War II. So the U.S. strategy has taken into account that their threat is very, very real of striking those bases. And not only of striking those bases, but of causing chaos on the high seas. Part of the reason that the Chinese want Taiwan so badly is that if they controlled Taiwan, their subs can access the Pacific. As it is, from all the ports in China, their subs have to go out and spend extensive time in shallow water, and so they can't really get the wolf pack in the, in the Pacific like they want to. They want to really maraud through all of, of our shipping, all U.S. and allied shipping in the Pacific, and they could do that much more successfully if they take Taiwan and break the first island chain. Okay. Uh, so Taiwan, yeah. See, I tend to think this would happen. Let's let's debate this. If I were China and I know I needed to suppress American military power, I would attack the base in um, Philippines, Diego Garcia, and Guam simultaneously. Then I would turn my sights on Taiwan because you'd have less resistance. Do you think, in your mind, does Taiwan come first? And if so, why? Well, there's also Okinawa, where there's a huge number of U.S. troops, generally order of magnitude of 50,000, and also bases, both army bases and naval bases and, and air bases that we can launch a lot of aircraft from. So they'll intend to hit that, but... Taiwan is just the keystone. 
the the entire every one of those nations understands that they are a stone in an arch. Japan and South Korea and the Philippines comprise with Taiwan the first island chain. And so they understand that Taiwan is the keystone and that each of those nations has to stand together to make a defense against uh, that dragon. As far as the attacking of U.S. bases, China is very interested in stalling or preventing a U.S. response. They want to keep our aircraft carriers as far away as possible. They would like to catch us on a Sunday. They'd like to catch everyone snoozing. And yes, they may preemptively hit all of those bases. It may be nuclear. Interesting. Well, if it's nuclear, it could... Well, if we had reasonable leadership, I'd say it'd provoke a nuclear response, but we don't have reasonable leadership, and Biden's probably not going to bite the hand that feeds him. But when we get into what you are saying, we are in complete agreement. We may differ slightly on the chronology, but we don't differ on what's coming. And uh, here, I want to shift uh, to the World Economic Forum. They're clearly the directors of what's going on now. Beneath them are the the World Bank, the IMF, uh, the World Health Organization, but they're calling the shots. And they got to be really unhappy with the Chinese economic development because they need China to be the world policeman for them to solidify one world government. So is there any way that the WEF, in your mind, can uh, compensate for this vacuum in power that's coming? As far as... Keeping China from collapsing? No. But part of the news that came out this week was that Argentina just cleared a 50 billion U.S. dollar, uh, 50 billion U.S. dollar loan guarantee from the BID, the World Development Bank. And so as far as keeping little nations like that afloat, Yes, international finance can help, but everyone knew that the that this would be order out of chaos, that at some point there would be war, and that at some point there would be currency collapse, and uh, those go together like a horse and carriage. Okay, so what happens from there this is this the plunge into world war 3 and then the wef is just saying well we'll just pick up the crumbs when it's over and reestablish the order that we want that's when commodities go through the roof mm-hmm. and listen just because it's guaranteed to go down as the rapper said <laughs> just because this fight is going to happen Everyone has their ideal outcome. I would like to see free nations stand for freedom. And the way that I read Revelation and Daniel, there are early waves of deaths that could be kept on the other side of the world. And that would be fantastic if we get a little golden age out of this. Maybe, maybe not. But we have a chance to fight. Somebody very nearly took down this vice president of Argentina who has been a thorn in the side and has very nearly ruined that nation. They just stole the election from the guy who had a lead, had the support of the people, should have won with Dominion voting machines. They just came in and took it all and they're handing it over to China and That guy saw that he had a chance to fight. The whole world has a chance to fight right now for our values, for what's right. And I don't think it's something that we should be sad about. It's been a couple generations since our nation's really been tested in mortal combat. And boy, it will thin out the herd. This is the old world. Some people think it archaic, things like dueling. You know, there was a right to duel in my home state of Iowa until it was removed from the Constitution in 1992. You're kidding me. The year that I graduated from high school. 
well, you know, maybe maybe I should have invited some people, sent out some invitations before my graduation. It could have thinned out the herd a little bit. Yeah. That was that was regarded as a constitutional right to challenge our ideological enemy and the thorn in the side of righteousness and the danger to our own family in single combat. And it was taken from us. And what war brings back is an opportunity to set a lot of things right. I, I, I wish Americans would see that more. And really there are treasures everywhere. Treasures to be gained and treasures to be taken from the wicked. It's right there. It's right there. Okay. I, I guess the next place to go with this is how soon does China have to move? Uh, it's the news that you brought to the table, uh, the, the dating of their collapse. I would just like to return to the reasons that I believe that the Pope in his private audience with Nancy Pelosi commanded her to go to Taiwan and to provoke this conflict, something that now has bipartisan support. And it's always had my support because we need to, we need to enter this fray as a world, as free people, before we're exterminated, before the attrition sets in, before the full death toll of the shots comes around. We need to stand and fight and try to preserve what there is, what's left of the free world. While we have allies, while we have friends, while we have something of a patriotic nation and some good people in our military before it's completely emasculated. But now there's bipartisan support. And uh, here again, from, from the grassroots of America, and from the wicked elites. Washington knows that they can't pay their bills. They know there has to be a reset. They know that there has to be a collapse of the dollar and that it has to be replaced by something. It's inevitable. The Terminator said, Judgment Day is inevitable. And I think a lot of people would rather have it now. As the, the Vietnam vets always used to say, I ain't getting any younger. Yeah, I I think the war that doesn't happen is a good war. It's um and, and I'll tell you why, Sam. We have been disarmed by our president. He has sent the bulk of our sophisticated weaponry to Ukraine. He has bankrupted what we had left of any treasury, oil reserves to China. Uh, 14 billion here, 40 billion there for Ukraine, and they spend it like drunken sailors, actually the whole drunken navy, and, and, and they're engaged in international arms trafficking with this money. Uh, they are Nazis. Uh, we're in a depleted sense. I mean, enlistments are down 50%. Air Force Academy first year admissions are down 46%. Uh, people don't want to be part of the woke army. And his army is more concerned about equity than they are uh, winning a war. Tell me, tell me how we could do against the Chinese. I see us getting our butts handed to us. Well, that's why we have to get off the canvas before we bleed out. And at the same time as that disarmament has taken place in the East, in the West, our forces in the Pacific were significantly built up by Trump. And right now, there's an effort to remove those key weapon systems, remove the nuclear tomahawk, remove lots of things. Uh, the the uh, grounding of every Chinook helicopter in the Army fleet, that's just ridiculous. The grounding of the F-22. Mm-hmm. So we need to get out there and fight before the last of our nation's Teeth are pulled. Oh, we've still got a little bit of fangs left. We need to get up and go. And I agree with you. Rocky's pretty beat up right now. But 
we can get off the canvas. And if we don't, we may as a nation and as a free world just die there. And this is what I would like to communicate to every patriot. You have to decide if you're ever going to stand and fight. You may want to do it while the getting is good, before you're completely bled dry. You know, all we have to do is look at Memphis, how one guy with no training and no brains, no skills, kept the whole city in shutdown, in fear, in lockdown, in disarray, closed two major league baseball games, millions and millions and millions of dollars lost because one punk kid decided to go on the rampage. What happens when instead of blowing their own brains out like 19 U.S. veterans do every day, they decide to dismantle Chinese influence and pedophilic influence in our own nation? Now, that's a worthwhile thing to use one's life on and one's military training. Someone who, who swore to defend this nation against foreign and domestic enemies. It's time for our whole nation and for every man and for every brave 12-year-old kid to stand up. And I'm going against a lot of my friends and mentors by saying that. But you know what? What did, what did Solzhenitsyn say? Stand up. What did, what did, uh, all of the resistance in Nazi Germany say? Stand up. We wish we had stood up. We sat in the gulags and wished we had stood up. And here, nobody wants to stand up and everybody says, oh, don't take the bait. The plan is to, for conflict to erupt. Well, let's just get it, let's just get her done. And maybe, Everything I learned from about broadcasting, I learned from R.D. Mercer, but there's live, live, <laughs> I won't say it. You know who R.D. Mercer is. I think everybody knows the punchline. Yeah, let's go, Brandon. Um, boy, I tell you, it's quite the dilemma that we're painting here, and I, and I get it. So if war breaks out between China and America, how does Latin America come into this? Latin America has all the industry that used to be in the United States and vastly more resources and a lot more population, double the population of the USA. So as many, as many people are in the U.S. and as many of them are uh, foreigners, you know, from Arabia, Africa, uh, who knows where, and, and recent arrivals, Latin America has double that population. Do they attack the United States as an ally of China? If we wait any longer, yes. During the Trump administration, I pushed the entire time for a Venezuelan intervention. And I understand that uh, Bolton wanted to get in and create new neoliberal Bushite satellite kingdoms and banana republics out of that. But that wasn't the only side. There is a liberation side where the dismantling of, of narco governments and their socialist armies really should have happened. Now, I understand why Trump did not feel up to initiating world war and lighting the fuse and confronting China by punching them square in the nose when our military wasn't ready, he wasn't ready, our nation wasn't re rebuilt, our military wasn't rebuilt, etc., but at the same time, that conflict within Latin America is still there. I would like to have seen it cleaned out back then. Maybe it wasn't feasible. There's going to be civil war in every nation. And as much as we like to have the map and say, okay, these are allies of this country, control, we... It's not going it. to be that. I get it. There's a lot to be determined. Sam, we're flat out of time. Uh, you got about 15 seconds to tell people how to follow you. Hey, come visit me at gospelgunslingers.com. I am a missionary and a poor preacher and a refugee living in Mexico. So send me a dollar, send me a note, send me a prayer request. I'd like to be your pastor. Okay. Very good. Thank you, Sam, for the update. 
We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.